Hallelujah. You guys ready? Good. Praise the Lord. All right. Um, now, this morning, I'm sure, was probably a, a bit challenging. But you need to understand something. Foundationally, we don't do ministry on our own. When I step into the pulpit, yeah, I've prepared. I've got three different ways I can go. My whole life is a preparation. But the first thing I learned about ministry, it does nobody in the congregation any good unless you divorce yourself from your own mindset, and you give yourself to the Holy Spirit and say, God, I yield to you. What do you want to do? What do you want to say? I'm not, I'm not here for me. I'm here for you. So your goal, your purpose is paramount. So what I'm trying to say to you is, that everything you and I do in the last days, it's the Holy Spirit who carries the weight. It's the Holy Spirit who initiates the work. And because it's the Spirit, I'm not worried about doing it myself. I can't, I won't, I refuse. Uh, it's off the plate. It's not an issue. So... To be able to say to a congregation, look, uh, there, there are two pa- there's two patterns in here for the coming of Christ. The, the pattern for the first coming has a parallel and a foundation for the pattern of the second coming. And when you read how the Lord told John the Baptist, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Here's how you do it. You preach He is an agent of wrath. Why are you trying to flee the wrath to come? Every branch that does not bear fruit is cut down and it's thrown into the fire. If you want to get ready to meet the the Savior, then you better repent. The anointing on the message of wrath so unsettled people, they flocked forward to repent. Now, the only difference in the second coming of Christ than the first coming is that the preaching of it is you're doing it. The church is doing it by the Spirit. That's the difference. You're not just preaching the message. You're exhibiting the message. It's not you. It's God. Would you please look at somebody and say, it's not you, it's God. It's not you, it's God. So get that, uh, I can't do this. What do we know about the devil? He coming up up for two. Steal. Steal. Kill, 
destroy. He's a liar. He's been a liar from the beginning. So the, the, the very first way he tries to steal something is he, he lies. He tries to convince you you can't do it. Well, that's actually true. I agree with him. You're right. I can't do it. I'm not trying. Get the hell out of here. I don't listen to your crap. God, the Holy Spirit does the work. All right. When the Holy Spirit does the work, I mean, once you get settled on that issue, hey, I'm free. I'm free to go with the Spirit. So we need to get some settled. Just in case you didn't get this settled when we went through this before, in Ephesians chapter 1, all right, let's go back to Ephesians 1. Because we're, we're, this is all about the sonship gifts. The sonship gifts make you ready to walk in this realm. And you know from what New York legislature just did, the, I mean, you talk about a challenge, a spit in your face challenge to God. If you are going to allow abortion right up to within 10 minutes of birth, no penalty, no charge, you are legislating murder that demands a response from heaven. Uh, you, there, there's no way that that uh, God can let that stand. There's no way, all right? As it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be. And what do we see the Lord doing? He's manifesting his wrath. 911. That was a, I mean, when, when you look at how God works in Scripture, that was a, a, a picture-perfect example of how God works. If you won't hear the word, then he will bring adversity. He will bring increasing devastation and adversity in order to get the attention of people. Now, here's the great thing about... Walking with God in the last days. You know, I haven't even hit my notes yet, so I'm, I'm, uh, I'll tell you what I'm, uh, sensing. Psalm 106. So the Holy Ghost will tell me where to go. Tell me what to do. I'm picking, I'm giving you an example of what I'm telling you you're going to have to do in the last days. Alright? Psalm 106. Now this is a picture of you. Psalm, Psalm 106. This is a picture of you in the last days. Here, here's how you're going to walk. Alright? Psalm 106. Everybody say, this is a picture of how you're going to walk. This is a picture. Here it is. You are going to walk in the same spirit Moses walked in. The same anointing that was on Moses is coming on you for the last days. Now, I know for many of you, it's hard to believe that could happen to a Methodist, but I'm telling you, it can. Retired Methodist. Retired Methodist. Sorry about that. Retired. Yeah. Good to see you, Rick. Oh, shoot. Well, we're in a mood today, you can tell. All right, verse 19. Now, here it is. You are in here. Watch this response. This is who you are. In the last days, Psalm 106, verse 19, this is what you're going to do. In the Spirit, they made a calf in Horeb, 
worshipped the molten image. Thus they changed their glory into the image of an ox that eats grass. They forgot God their Savior, who had done great things in Egypt, wondrous works in the land of Ham, awesome things by the Red Sea. Therefore he said that he would destroy them had not Moses. Same spirit. You walk in the same spirit, same anointing. His chosen one, are you chosen? That is a first sonship gift of Ephesians. You are chosen. You know you are chosen. You are declared holy. You are blameless. Had not Moses, his chosen one, stood before him in the breach to turn away his wrath. If we go to Romans and we read Romans 13, you are an agent of wrath. But as an agent of wrath, you have two functions. Number one, you can turn it away off the nation and on to the perpetrators. That's what Moses did four times in Egypt. I could take you through every example. By the anointing of the Spirit, he turned the wrath away from the nation. And in order to keep it off the nation... He had to bring it on the perpetrators. So on the day that this is talking about, it's in Exodus 32. He calls the Levites. Levites, go in and out through the camp. Execute judgment on anybody who is actively involved in sexual sin. They did. 3,000 died, but the wrath was turned away from the nation. The nation was saved. As an agent of wrath, you are not going to take a sword. You're not going to take a spear. You're not going to take a gun. You're not going to take bullets. You're not going to take a whatever the latest, hottest machine is. You can't do that. Romans 12. Beloved, do not avenge yourself. Now, the next phrase, ditto me, tapos. I, I should apologize for pulling Greek on you. Ditto me, second error, uh, it, it, it's a command. Ditto me, the verb is a command. It's not optional. Because you can't get your own gun and shoot them, you lift your hand to the Lord as an agent of wrath, and you say, here's what they're doing, here's what your word said is the penalty, now I turn them over to you. Visit them in Jesus' name. You declare the word of the Lord. You command. Ask me of things to come concerning my sons and concerning the work of my hands. You command me. And that just happened to come under King Cyrus. In Babylon, in case you, I'm sure you've noticed, we prophesied there's another Cyrus around with an anointing like in the White House. I'm telling you what, if the church doesn't rise up with this, he may not finish this term, let alone get another one. So the future 
of this nation is in the hands of the church. It's in the hands of the remnant who walk in the Holy Ghost. And because you, you can't do this on your own, and you wouldn't if you could, you learn how to walk in the Spirit, and you learn why you are qualified to do this. So let's talk about that. Because what we have in the church right now is we have a distinct deficit of agreeing with who we are in Christ. With agreeing with what the Bible says we really are and what we can do. We have a deficit of agreeing with the Word. We have a deficit in the church of renewing our mind according to the Word. Now, in Ephesians chapter 1, according to the Word in these nine sonship gifts, it says, number 1, verse 4, you are chosen. We, we just saw what a chosen vessel of God did. Turned away wrath off a whole nation. Now, I want you to smile at somebody and say, the Holy Spirit can do that in you. He can do it. He can turn it off a state. He can turn it off a person. He can turn it off a family. He can turn it off a nation. That's possible. Why? You're chosen. You're holy. You're blameless, without blame. Now, those first three things qualify you for adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself. You have been adopted by sons to Jesus Christ to himself. By sons. You, you transition out of Old Testament mentality servants to sons and daughters. You are in God's family. You have a personal relationship. God is your dad. You get a new birth certificate. Your name is changed to your new family. That's number seven when they're actually doing. That's the seventh step of adoption in the United States based on the pattern of Scripture. It was all taken from the Word. Now, what is number five? Five is the number of grace and mercy. Now, number five, and this is a little bit hard for people to accept. I realize that. Having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, by which he has made us accepted. Circle has made, verse 6, and circle us accepted. Because it is the same word used twice in the Bible. Car, E, 2, O, car, E, 2, O. Only used three times in the entire New Testament. Car, E, 2, O. Accepted. Only used twice. Here's the problem for most people with car, E, 2, O. The first time, it's used in Luke chapter 1. And in Luke chapter 1, it is spoken by an angel, Gabriel. Luke chapter 1, verse 26. Now, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to the city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. Having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, car E201. Whoa. The Lord is with you. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered, What kind of greeting is that? 
What does it mean, car E2O? Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, you found favor with God. Behold, you'll conceive in your womb and bring forth a son, and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great. He will be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Mary has a uh, functional question. Verse 34, How can this be, since I do not know a man? And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest... Guess what, Mary? The Holy Spirit is in charge of this. He is going to create it. Now, it's necessary, because we know from science that the blood is determined by the Father. In order for the blood to be the propitiation for sin, it can have no sin in it. Therefore, it has to come this way. In order for that blood to be poured out for the sin of the world, it cannot be born. He cannot be born in sin. His blood cannot be determined from a sinful man. It has to come from a sin-free God. I feel like repenting. Hallelujah. I found myself in Waco last week, and I said, Lord, I'm supposed to preach on accepted tomorrow, and I know the problem. We have so revered Mary that we can't accept that we get two cartitos and she gets one, unless you tell me. God, you got to show me. what. Why? Why do we get two? And I heard the Lord say, your job is twice as hard as Mary's. Your assignment is to birth both the fullness of the Savior and the fullness of the judge. And you have to face all the opposition of the last days. You need two car E2Os and Mary only needed one. So I followed Mary. Through the book, all the way to Revelation, history, and the events of Scripture. This is Mary's life. Matthew 19. Hallelujah. Let's go look at it. I'm sorry, not Matthew, John. John 19. John 19, verse 25. All right, here we go. Fast forward 33 and a half years in the life of Mary. It is crucifixion day. John 19. Oh, by the way, we could read all the prophecy. Uh, 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 Simeon prophecy, a, a sword is going to pierce your heart also. All right, so you, you're going to have a little opposition. Nobody's going to understand why you're pregnant, so you're going to have to endure a little bit of that. Well, I'm telling you, it's nothing compared to what you and I have to endure. If you read Matthew chapter 10, it is it is not even half of what we have to walk through in the last days. Mary finished her race after this sword pierced her heart. This next major event in her life. Right here. So, for nine months, she carries the Christ. 
She gives him birth. And now she watches him grow up until he takes off into ministry. Here's the next event in her life. John 19:25. Now there stood by the cross of Jesus his mother, his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Cleopas, and Mary Magdalene. Mary, Mary. Then she, when Jesus therefore saw his mother and a disciple whom he loved standing by, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, Behold your mother. Translation, I just gave you an assignment, John. You take care of this woman the rest of her life. Behold your mother. And from that hour, that disciple took her to his own home. He accepted that responsibility. She was cared for the rest of her life. Along comes... So, there's this is the death, burial, and the resurrection of Christ. All right, we got that. The church is born. Here comes the Apostle Paul. He's found seven churches of Revelation 2 and Revelation 3 of Asia, the Asian churches. When he dies, 67, 68 A.D., all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit says, John, take Mary, move to Ephesus, 100,000 people, biggest church. In the... From that day on, she was cared for and, and she was honored, 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 honored. Her life, she lived a life of honor and provision. What kind of life do you and I get to live in the last days while we're birthing this fullness of Christ? Sure. Go to Matthew chapter 10. You, you, you want to know why you and I get two car E2Os? It's right here. Right here. Here's what you and I get to walk out. Beware of men, John 10, 17, for they will deliver you up to councils, scourge you in their synagogues. Mary didn't have to go through that. You'll be brought before governors and kings before my sake. Mary didn't have to go through that. When they deliver you up, do not worry about what you should speak, for it will be given you in that hour what you speak. Mary didn't have to go through that. For it is not you that speak, but the Spirit of your Father who speaks in you. Now, brother will deliver up brother to death. The father is child. Children will rise up against parents and cause them to be put to death. Mary didn't have to face that. You will be hated by all for my name's sake. Mary was honored by all. Still is. But he who endures to the end shall be saved. But when they persecute you in this city, flee to the next. It's enough for a disciple to be like his teacher. Therefore, do not fear, do not fear, do not fear those who kill the body but can't touch the soul. Oh, by the way, do not fear. And the verse we hardly ever hear in church, 34, do not think I came to bring peace on the earth. I didn't come to bring peace but a sword. Now, that's what you and I have to face in the last days. That's why we got two. God says, you are more important to me in the harvest of the nations and the winding up of the age than Mary was because you carry a double portion of what she had to birth. She was honored. I honored her. I blessed her. She's honored by all. But you, you've got to know that you know that you know that you're accepted. So the Holy Spirit's job is to convince you that you stand on the shoulders of Mary. You stand greater than John the Baptist. And while we're on the subject, 
Go to Matthew 11. How does God work? How does he work? You cannot believe the number of people in the church that cannot get a hold of who God's anointed and why. Here's how God works. Matthew 11, verse 1. Now, now it, came, it came to pass, when Jesus finished commanding his twelve disciples, he departed from there to preach in their cities. Now, when John the Baptist heard in prison about the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples and said, Are you the coming one, or do we look for another? Now, did you hear that? John the Baptist. Are you the coming one, or do... Did you forget? John, did you... John, what, what in the heck happened to you? Did, did you forget about when Jesus showed up in your meeting and said, Hey, I need to be baptized by you. And you said no, and he had to show you in the Word. And then God spoke, This is my beloved Son in whom, I saw, in whom I am well pleased. Then the Holy Spirit came and landed on him like dove. Did you forget that? You were there. What happened to you, John? Listen to this. Listen, listen saints, because here's how people go into deception. When John had heard in prison about the works of Christ, he sent his disciples, Are you the coming one? Do we look for another? Jesus answered and said to them, You go tell John the things which you see and hear. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised up, the poor have the gospel preached to them. Verse 6, And blessed is he who is not offended because of me. God always sends his vessels in an anointing that will offend the heart in order to try and bring repentance. John the Baptist was offensive to the Pharisees. John knew that. What offended John? Is John offended? Apparently he is. I mean, what what makes you forget an experience like the baptism of Jesus? Come on, man. Give me a break. And if John the Baptist can be offended, you and I can be offended. We're walking around the same flesh he was. Oh, man. Oh, come on, church. We are so offensive in the last days. People want to kill us. Unless you're willing to walk this. You know why you need two car E2Os? Because you've got to walk this out. That's why. And here's the other part. Because you have this acceptance, and because you know it here, and because you walk through the rest, because you know the Lord redeemed all your failures. That means to buy off the penalty. Pay it. Pay the fine. Every fine of every infraction you and I ever committed paid by the blood of Christ. That's the meaning of redemption. Pay the fine. Pay it off. The Greek word that's used there. We're forgiven of all sin. We have an inheritance. And then we're sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. All right. That's your package of sonship gifts. That package will bring you, will prepare you 
for Revelation chapter 11. It prepares you for this anointing. All right? I will give power, verse 3, to my two witnesses. They will prophesy 1,260 days. Uh, if anyone wants to harm them, fire comes out of their mouth. Verse 6, these have power to shut heaven. No rain falls in the days of their prophecy. They have power over water to turn them to blood and to strike the earth with all plagues as often as they desire. They are agents of my wrath, and they demonstrate it. All right. Now, the first two things, here's the power of the Spirit to get you there. You don't get yourself there. You, did, you can't get yourself there. You wouldn't want to if you could. Anybody with an ounce of sense runs from a call like this. This is not how you build a church. You preach this stuff. Christianity is not about how you get God to do what you want Him to do. Christianity is are you willing to walk His path and are you willing to lay your life down for Him? That's what Christianity is all about. And it is the job of the Spirit. They tried to kill Jesus multiple times before he could finish his race. They couldn't do it. In in one in uh, Luke chapter 4, they lost their grip. They took him out to the hill to throw him off the hill. They lost their grip. In John, they were they were going to kill him, and all of a sudden, it says... He hid himself. The Klingon cloaking device is real, apparently. (laughs) Wow. Now we know where Hollywood gets some of their stuff. They found it in the Bible with a little poetic license. Oh, holy cow. There are two things that happen when you and I pray in the Spirit. 1 Corinthians 14 Two and four. When you pray in the Spirit, praying in tongues, you are praying mysteries. The mystery that you need to walk out your call comes into your spirit. You birth it by prayer. That's number one. Number two, mysterion, number one, oikodomeo, number two. Number two, the Holy Spirit puts brick upon brick upon brick. You build your house in the Spirit so you can carry the glory, the wrath, the resurrection, the salvation, the healing, the deliverance, the power of the living God. All of it. All of it. You pray that house into construction. You pray it. You build it brick by brick by what comes out of your mouth, unless you're lazy. Unless you let TV, Hallmark Channel. (laughs) Every movie's the same. Boy meets girl. Boy falls in love with girl. Boy fends a girl. Girl runs away. God intervenes, brings them back. They get married in the end. Here comes the wedding. As every Hallmark, what was that? She solves the murder too. Oh yeah, she does. It's a new wrinkle. 
Yeah, that's that's our second channel. <laughs> oh God! Oh shoot! Now, if you want to escape, we have crossed the bridge here. We are sitting in the hallmark. <laughs> well, that's the only way the devil can keep you out of your. The only way he can steal your future is if he can get you off the path of praying it, the diligence path that it takes to pray it into existence. That's it. He has to use your will and get you to choose a tangent because it's easier. It's easier than what God's assigned you to do. There's the battle. Right there. Accept it, accept it, accept the double. You got double what Mary got. All right. Now, how does the Holy Spirit going to get you there? Let me show you how. Go to John 2. Here is the Jesus who is in you. This is the Jesus who is in you. All right. This Jesus is on the inside of you. This one right here, John 2. Now, there's only one of these in the New Testament, I suspect, probably because it's a pattern. All right? It's a pattern. John 13, uh, John 2, verse 13. Now, the Passover of the Jews was at hand. Jesus went up to Jerusalem. He found in the temple those who sold locks and sheep and dove, money changers doing business. When he had made a whip of cords, he drove them all out of the temple with the sheep, the oxen, poured out the changers' money, and overturned the tables. Wow. Jesus didn't do anything what he saw his father do it. He didn't say anything but what he heard his father say it. So what does he do? Verse 15. When he made, he constructed his own weapon. I got a safe full of weapons my kids have constructed. Bought the parts and built their own. You can start a war with it. <laughs> it's probably why they parked it in my house. When he had made, he constructed his own weapon. Church, you are his weapon in the last days. And he is constructing you in his image. He is building you into a person that carries the fullness of Christ. You can raise the dead. You can make them dead. There's nothing you can't do. All things are possible to him who believes. And we are facing greater spirit of Antichrist than we have ever faced in our life. We are starting to be legislated against. Our lifestyle, what we believe, what God has written is starting to be legislated against from coast to coast. You probably feel like the, the roast beef in a sandwich. You got a stu- two stupid buns on each coast. <laughs> Worthless rotten bread. I'm looking forward to moving to Texas myself. I've lived in California 44 years. 
that's enough of assignment in hell. It's time for a little heaven. I spend half my time here anyway. God Almighty. Jesus wove cords into a whip. There are three judicial cords that have been stolen from us that the Lord is putting back in the hands of the church and the Holy Spirit will weave it together to construct this Jesus in us for the last days. Three. Three. It's based on three scriptures. All right. It's based on Ecclesiastes uh, chapter 4, verse 12. Though one may be overpowered by another, two can withstand him, and a threefold cord is not quickly broken. All right. Uh, Mehera is that uh, not quickly broken. Mehera is that Hebrew word. And it appears again in Ecclesiastes chapter 8. And, and why is this important? Is because when you hear this verse, you have to admit we got this. This is happening right now in America. Because the sentence against an evil work is not executed Mehera quickly. Therefore, the heart of the sons of men is fully set in them to do evil. When justice doesn't come, people get worse and worse and worse and worse. They get more evil all the time. When judgment doesn't come, what is God preparing? He's preparing agents of wrath to manifest judgment. Us. And don't, don't look at me with that. Where do you find that in the Bible stuff? Give me a break. It's in every chapter of practically every book. It even goes all the way into the New Testament. Peter. Wrath. Ananas and Sapphira. Fear of the Lord permeates the church. Acts chapter 12, the church prays. God sends an angel to Herod. Eat him with worms. Now there's a sentence for you. The toughest death known to man in those days. Three to five days it took those little critters to eat their way out to the surface. The most painful death known to man. And God sent an angel and said, put it on him. Peter says, thank you, Lord. Escaped that one. Peter was set to die. So he got Peter out of jail, and he killed Herod, because Herod's after him. Church, look. I said, God, you've got to make this simple for everybody. Real simple. So, how simple can we make it? Here's how simple it is. Your future. I asked the Lord coming over. I said, God, can you make this simple for everybody? He said, tell them this is the path they're on. You're on a path with the Holy Spirit where you are learning to pray and that your prayer moves God's hand. 
You pray, God's hand moves, people see. Just one, two, three. You pray by the Spirit, God's hand moves, people see, and they are impacted by what they see. They realize, wow, maybe there is a God, and maybe I need to amend my ways. That's the end time church. We pray God's hand moves. The Apostle Paul, trying to get a visa, he can't get it because of the false prophet. How long will you cease to pervert the straight ways of the Lord? Behold, the hand of the Lord is on you. You are blind for a season. False prophet's blind. And the proconsul says, here's your visa. <laughs> Signed. Ballad. Go away. That's your future. Moses prayed, God's hand move. Pharaoh saw. That's our future. That's the training for the end times for the church. We pray, God's hand moves. People see. This isn't rocket science. This is spiritual obedience. Oh, shoot. Oh, well, I had great plans for tonight. Last week, the Lord said to me, How many son ofs concerning the Lord are in your New Testament? Now, I, I had just been reading Ephesians 1, 5 and 6. We are adopted as sons to Jesus Christ. And the Lord spoke to me and said, How many son positions did Jesus walk? And I said, You mean like son of, son of, yeah, how many? Uh, son of God, son of man. Son of David, the Lord said, you missed one. I did? What did I miss? Look it up. Now, God could have told me. That's the kind of harassment I have to endure all the time. Look it up. Does God treat you that way? Come talk to you and then put you to work. Look it up. Matthew one one. The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Our sonship in Christ has a pattern through Scripture. And that pattern through Scripture, it starts with son of Abraham. And if you don't bow, if you don't yield on the son of Abraham, you are stuck. You cannot get to number two. You cannot get the son of David. You cannot get the son of man. You won't finish son of God. There's no way you can do it. Because the pattern starts with Abraham. And here it is. It's one issue. Would you look at somebody and say it's one issue? It's just one issue. 
All right, and it's, it's not just the Abrahamic covenant, which we have in Galatians 3. That's Genesis 12, 1, 2, and 3. All right, Abraham, here's the deal. I'm going to make you a plumb line. Everywhere you go, you're going to be a plumb line. I'll tell you what, you start praying in tongues in Matthew tw- in, uh, Isaiah 28, and you end up building a plumb line on the inside of you. Because about uh, 16 verses later, that's exactly what it says. You become his plumb line. And he gets to drop you wherever he wants. Now, that's what you construct when you're praying in the Spirit. So, Abraham, get out of your country, from your kindred, from your father's house. I'll make your, I will, I will, I will, five times. So then when the, when the, uh, the worship leader of heaven is kicked out and becomes Satan, he's kicked out with five I wills because he is trying to duplicate this call. I will, I will, I will, I will, I will. And if you put those five I wills together, God's five I wills answer every single one of Satan's I wills. In other words, Satan says, you can choose your destiny. Abraham, you're going to the country I will show you. You don't choose your destiny. I do. When you bow your knee to the Lord, it's His destiny you signed up for. Straight out. Now, Abraham gets ticked because God takes forever to bring a promise to pass. You're going to have a son. Oh, yeah. Okay, really? When? Well, it's coming. Twenty years later... You meet him in Genesis 50. You haven't given me a son. He's ticked. He's mad. How will I know? God says, I'm promising you. Look at the stars. Count those. A lot of help that does. That doesn't get anybody pregnant. Thank you very much. In case you hadn't noticed. I'm trying to drink my way out of this one to try to figure out how to do it. <laughs> oh, shoot. <clears throat> Come on, God. So God gives him a son and then says, you know, remember that time when you said, how shall I know? All right, buddy. Now the shoe's on the other foot. Take your son to the mountains, build an altar put him on it, offer him up as a burnt offering. Abraham does. He gets ready to slay the kid. Genesis 22, here comes the angel. Don't touch him. Now I know. You tested me, buddy. Now I'm testing you. And guess what? You passed the test. Here's what it means to be a son of Abraham. Here's what you signed up for. That Jesus, who's the son of Abraham, this is where it starts. Genesis 22, verse, oh yeah. And he said, do not lay your hand on the lad. 12, 13, Abraham lifted his eyes. There's a ram. 14, Abraham called the name of the place the Lord will provide. 15, the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time out of heaven. 16, 
By myself I have sworn, says the Lord, because you have done this thing and have not withheld your son, your only son. In blessing I will bless you. In multiplying I will multiply you. Your seed will possess the gate of their enemy. What does it mean to walk with the, to have the Son of God formed in you, the very first altar that you face, what are you withholding from Him? Because if you will let it go, I will lead you to where you possess the gate of your enemy. No weapon formed against you can prosper. I will put my anointing in your hands, in your heart. You will move my hand. You will be my agent of salvation. You will be my agent of wrath when it's needed to break deception, when it's needed to save a nation. You'll turn my wrath away from a nation, and you will save and impact cities and nations. What's caused? What are you withholding? What are we hanging on to? What is it we won't let go of? Once we walk through that, we're off and running. The Holy Spirit will possess the gate of our enemies. He'll move oil to a different place to fund what needs to be done. He'll probably even restore the uranium that Hillary sold. And her con man, FBI chief, Robert Mueller. The Bible says when you catch a thief, you make him pay seven times. 20% of America's uranium times seven. That's several billion dollars on somebody's land. We get a sevenfold coming up. I already know one place I have to go pray that. God has already revealed that. So if there's one, I know there's a bunch more. Church, you realize what's out there? There is no end to the resources of God that he's ready to put in our hands. Son of Abraham. Because you have not withheld. Because you gave it all. Because you yielded it all. There is nothing I won't do. What is it, church? What is it? What is it we're hanging on to? God, I'd like to finish this message, but I can't. Because you're doing business. You're doing heart surgery. (laughs) And my heart is broken for those who can't let go. God, please grace them now. Grace them in Jesus' name. Empower them to let go and to yield to you. God.
you, you're the one that decided to make this, to fast track this house, Lord. And you're the only one now that can qualify us. We need the grace to overcome our flesh. Now, Lord, pour it out. Pour it out in this house. Pour it out now. In Jesus' name, pour it out on the body of Christ across this nation. Pour it out in Jesus' name that your people would withhold nothing from you. That we would stand before you as a son of Abraham, heirs according to the promise that Galatians 3 and the last four verses wouldn't just be words on the page, but it'd be reality, Father. That this people would pray that your hand would move, that people would see, that nations would turn to you. God, that's what hangs in the balance in this house tonight. Now, in Jesus' name, grace us. Grace us. Sometimes you just have to move the pulpit. And you have to open the altar. And you have to say, if God is dealing with you in your heart, and you need to offer something, make the short walk, come up here, kneel before him, And do your ultimate surrender and lay it before him. You don't need to come up here if he's not speaking to you about anything. But if he is, you need to be up here because right here at this altar tonight is where your journey catapults forward. Because you leave this altar qualified as a son of Abraham, and now God can finish what he started. He can build son of David on the inside of you. Oh, my gosh, when son of David manifests on the inside of you, nobody can be your enemy and live. Nobody can take your life from you. You get to finish your race. Hallelujah. This altar's open. Come and do business with the king right here. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Praise you, Father. We might be hanging on to a son, a daughter, grandchild. We might be hanging on. Whatever we're hanging on to, the most precious thing to Abraham was his son. And he put his son in God's hand. Because you have not withheld your son, your only son, To have the Son of God manifest in us. 
we have to walk that path. We have to yield everything to the King. So, Father, it's with joy. And it's with thanksgiving that we come tonight and we say, here it is. Our dreams, our future, the thing we would most like you to do, we put it in your hands. We choose not to withhold anything from you. And now, Father, in Jesus' name, in blessing you will bless, in multiplying you will multiply. Lord, open heaven for everyone who has made that choice and who has yielded to you the time For you to show off is at hand. The time for your resources to flood your people is here. Open heaven, Father, in Jesus' name. And let your fullness fill your people. Hallelujah. Father, I thank you for it. We receive it in Jesus' name. And let the fullness of your authority permeate this house, this altar, this place, and this people, and every family who visits here. In the name of Jesus, bless and multiply as only you can. Put your favor, car, E-2-O, double on this people And let everyone else see it and say, what happened to you? God happened to me. God happened to me. And he's happening every day. Thank you, Father. Bless your people as only you can. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. We receive it. We give you the praise. We count it done. I declare the fruit of it over this people in Jesus' name, and I call it forth. In blessing you will bless, in multiplying you will multiply, and they shall possess the gate of their enemy. In this city, in Austin, in D.C., in Sacramento, in New York, And in every country we go to, because we have withheld nothing from you, Father, we will see a harvest for your kingdom. And we bless you for it, and we thank you for it, and we rejoice in it, and we count it done in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Well, let me tell you what this means. This means tomorrow night we have to do three chords (laughs) in one night. (laughs) That's five messages in one night. Needless. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I agree. I can't handle it. 